0: Blog Talk Radio Om Shabbat Shalom Holy Way of the Most High Om Shabbat Shalom I sense your presence Om Shabbat Shalom Holy Way of the Most High Om Shabbat Shalom I sense your presence and I am the light within your soul in the essence of truth and right, love makes the circle whole, and here we stand in line, waiting for some sacred sign, but to find the balance is the purpose of this time. To restore the balance of the universal mind, and in the presence of my Lord of Light and Love, everything I see is aspiring to be free. And when I call to Thee, and come on bended knee. Surrender to the all-pervading light and love Reflections of the one surrounding me with love And I I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence Within and without, above and below, yeah East, West, North and South, I sense your presence Without and within, below and above, yeah yeah, East, West, North and South, I sense your presence I sense your presence My Lord of Light and Love Everything I find in tune with the Divine And here we stand in line Waiting for some sacred sign But to find the balance is the purpose of this time To restore the balance of the Universal Mind I am the light within your soul. In the essence of truth and right, love makes a circle. And when I call to thee, and come on bending knee, surrender to the all pervading light Of the ones surrounding me with love. For so to find the balance is the purpose of this time. To restore the balance of the universal mind. I sense your presence. I sense your presence. I sense your presence. I sense your presence Om Shabbat Shalom Holy way of the most High. Om Shabbat Shalom I sense your presence Om Shabbat Shalom Holy way of the most High. Om Shabbat Shalom I sense your presence Om Shabbat Shalom Holy way of the Most High Om Shabbat Shalom I sense your presence Om Shabbat Shalom Holy angel of the Most High Om Shabbat Shalom I sense your presence I sense your presence
1: Thank you for joining me here on Activating Compassion Radio. My name is Jessie Ann Nichols-George and I'm your hostess today.
2: The music you were listening
1: to at the beginning of the show is I Sent Your Presence. It's by Shem Shai and I just want to extend a welcome whether you're returning or whether you have uh, are joining us here for the very first time. And I do want to make a, a little apology for some of the background noise today. I, I was prepared to book into a nice Quiet room today, and unfortunately, with the um, holiday weekend, everything was closed and not available. So here I am, broadcasting in Starbucks Sioux Falls, and that is where I am today. Sioux Falls, South Dakota, my hometown, and it's very interesting to be back here, getting to know the city again, and getting to actually get to know it for the first time. I've had residency here for a year, and uh, but I'm just getting used to it and just learning the lay of the land as they say here. so many beautiful parks and, and things. I've been out doing some hiking and, and created my video from one of the trails this week, so that's been really pleasant. We do Stream Live, by the way, in three additional places, Talk Stream Live, Stream Finder, and Ten, known as Fair Encounters Network, and I welcome everyone listening through those channels as well. Here at Activating Compassion Radio, what I do is look at the different ways that compassion exists in our lives, how to remove our blocks, resistances, frustrations, and more. And some weeks I'm discussing different aspects of how compassion is in our life, how it affects our life, and the different areas of compassion. And then some weeks I'm doing more exercises, practical implementations. And a lot of times, especially this year, I've got some really amazing guests on the show, and you get to learn about their work and how other things complement and work with compassion. I also highlight different musical artists along the way, and this year, I'm highlighting my musical artists in coordination with the turning of the year. So we had, for example, Woven Green, Jim and Ashley Cash for on at the um, Spring Equinox. And then at May Day, we had the beautiful angelic sound of Angelia Grace. And then we had for the Summer Solstice just recently, uh, we had on Dragon's Head. And then coming up in the first part of August in a month, I've got Shashika Maru, who will be calling in from India. And, um, and then I've got some other great people that are bringing some unique and unusual sounds to us books as well. So stay tuned for all those, really exciting ones. And in the archives, I've got Stephen Halpern and Peter Cater. So go back and check those out because there's a lot of great archive shows as well. In my own work, what I do is focus on helping people find and use compassion in their everyday lives. I've created the Genesis Clearing Statement and on my website you can catch interviews where other people have interviewed me and you'll find me running that Genesis Clearing Statement. I'm also going to be working with that here in the Food Falls area. So that's something if you're local around this region that you'll be able to come and participate in as well. And we'll be doing some live, uh, live meditation groups with that. Also, I've authored four books, being You, Me, Life, Dreams, and It's Companion Workbook. And then my first two, Activating Compassion, and It's Companion Workbook. And then I've created the Compassion Tour, a multi state nationwide tour, including workshops, retreats, seminars, book signings, fundraising events, going around, healing the earth, things like that, all kinds of fun stuff. You can follow all of those things on my website at George and number1.com. And just a reminder, if you enjoy the show today, make sure you share it with people because I find when I share it with social media or I have a friend that's going through something that the topic is on and they're like, oh, my gosh, that was so helpful to me. You don't know how much that shifted my life or or made a big change for me. And I think this is going to be one of those shows that does that for people because this is a big one today with with our topic. And they can listen to it in the archives, by the way. They can catch it. Either at the same link you use to get in the show. They can catch it through iTunes, TuneIn.com. They can catch it on my YouTube channel. I usually have that up within two weeks. Um, A lot of times I get it up within a few days of the show. So you can watch for it through all those avenues. Now, before we get started on everything, I like to open to a book called The 72 Names of God, Technology for the Soul by Yehuda Burke, a Kabbalah master. And those that have listened in before know I like to give this little thought for the week and and it kind of gets our minds something to kind of work on, a focus for us to, to bring around and of course it always correlates somehow with the guests. I just opened and take the next one in the book recap <laughs> we the week right now. And yet it always seems to correlate and this this week's no exception. This is also, by the way, on my page in the Main Street Universe tab on my website where all the archive shows are there as well. And so this week, the common name of God that we have is recognizing design beneath disorder. So this is pretty a powerful one. So it's recognizing design beneath disorder. And the little message that he gives here is there are no coincidences in life, no chance encounters, no random surprises. Whatever happens, happens for a reason. So when our world fills out of whack and we just want to scream, this name is our fast track to structure and serenity. Now the insight it gives on this is not a single blade of glass grows without direction from a higher power. Like an immense computer, the creator's light processes, calculates, and accounts for everything through the law of cause and effect. When we react negatively to the apparently sudden chaos of life, We deny the underlying design and purpose of creation. Our attitude prolongs the madness, but the moment we recognize and accept hardship and all chaotic circumstances as opportunities for spiritual elevation, pain and doubt quickly disappear. We alone determine the rate at which our turmoil and pain pass. Be aware, the ego will constantly attempt to slow this whole process down to a sluggish crawl by concealing the order and the cause of the chaos in front of our eyes. The meditation that he gives on this is, when you find yourself overcome with feelings of doubt or panic or with thoughts of doom, these letters reveal the order that underlies chaos. You become enlightened to the creator's master plan as it pertains to your purpose in this world. And to the problems you face, so again, the common name that he offers us this week is recognizing designs beneath disorder and the formal name is Yod-let-nam. Yod-let-nam. and again, you can find that on my tab of the main street Univer or my page of the Main street Universe tab on my website jesse Ann George, the number one dot that's going to be up the whole week for you. Now a little thought here before we go on break and this just is going to lead into our topic and you'll see it just really ties in so well with what we delved into right here with Yehuda Berg. How do you choose to grieve the loss of something or someone in your life? And have you ever thought about the possibility that you can be happy even in your grief? What is the most challenging piece of grief for you? At some point in our lives, we all experience the loss of someone close to us, be it family, friends, or pets. I know for me, pets are the hardest, and even writing this brings up so many emotions for me. I say that because pets tend to love us unconditionally. It has been less than two months since my comrade and traveling companion named Orly departed from my life from kidney failure. I rescued her from going over a waterfall or a love a waterfall that was about 11 months prior, and she did about one and a half trips around the U.S. With me. In addition, I have a mother that is also winding down her time on the road. And the key is that no matter how much or how little time we have, and no matter how good or poor the relationship is, there will be grief when a time of passing comes. Sometimes we know it is coming our way and there's a certain amount of emotional and mental preparation that can be done for it. So many times in society, we are told that we should hurt and have pain for someone's passing. I have been blessed to know of several that wanted people to have a party and celebrate their passing, to be happy that they've moved on and left this life. Many are also told that if they do not experience pain or sorrow, that they are cruel or uncaring. And they are often made to feel guilty for their apparent lack of feelings. Ironically, I have found that many who appear to not have things are often feeling a lot very deeply. No matter how well they are handling things or how aware they are that it is a positive thing for us to move on. But what happens when you have a life? You can tell you very suddenly. And this is the case with Ella Temple, who opened a piece of her life to the world with her work, Walking in Grace with Grief. Her son was taken unexpectedly from this life at a young age, and her story touches so many avenues of children that go before their parents. What her journey was like during the grieving process is so much more. She chose to use her experience to help others, and in this brings up the aspect of grieving with grace being able to find happiness among the grief, I love the door that she is opening here because it's a beautiful reminder to remember the joys and the happiness that we've shared. Also, the obvious reminder to us that we never really know if tomorrow is an option. Sure, most of the time it is. And often, we put off making that phone call saying, I love you. Holding on to anger or other emotions instead of coming from love. This type of thing always brings me back to a consciousness of thinking if so and so were to pass from my life today, is this the way that I would want things to end between us? And it reminds me to let go, forget, and accept people and things as they are. It sends the reminder to never pass up the opportunity to tell someone how much you share and to show it to. For me, grief releases and layers over time as the year passes and memories come and go. As Bella mentions in her work, there's a spectrum of emotions that happen for us in this process. Are you finding grace in your grieving? And are you remembering the great times with joy and not sorrow? And are you celebrating a right Passage that the soul has chosen instead of focusing only on the pain. This week, our guest focuses on a component of compassion related to the aspect in my book, The Hidden Enemy. And this reminds us that it is our judgments that keep us locked in pain. And just because you've been taught something is supposed to hurt doesn't mean that you can't also find the joy in a situation. I'm going to take a short break, and when we return, I will have Della Temple with me, and we will be looking at her work in Walking in Grace with Grace. And the song that I've got for you today during our break is called Too Many Broken Houses by Claire Hadeen. And you can definitely check out more of Claire's work uh, through her website, www.clairehadeen.com dot com. That's C L A R E H E D I N dot com. We'll be back in just a
3: People pull together When times are tough People pull together
1: And my name is Jesse Ann Nichols George, and I'm your host. Today, you were just listening to a song by Claire Hedin called "Too Many Broken Houses," and you can check out more of her work at dot C L A R E H A D I N dot com. And again, I apologize. There is some background noise on my end, so um, I am going to be muting my mic out <laughs> as much as possible so that you can get a nice, clear connection with our guests and what she has to say today, because you're going to want to listen in to what she has to say. Today, I have with me Della Temple, and she writes about melding the worlds of the physical and the metaphysical. She combines her love of anything analytical with her wide range interests in quantum physics and the world of energetic healing. She's a certified Reiki master and has studied clairvoyance and psychic healing at Boulder Psychic Institute. When she lost her son in a solo car accident, Della experienced a different kind of grief. One full of sorrow, a deep, fathomless sadness, love, acceptance, compassion, and happiness. Yes, happiness, all at once. And Della writes about her experience in the hopes of broadening the discussion around death and grieving. Through the healing meditations and energy tools explained throughout the book, it is Della's hope that the reader will connect to the joy and grace that exists beneath the sorrow and pain of loss. And Della invites you to read more about experiencing grief in a new way by visiting her website at to we'll Go ahead and get her mic and back. Della, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, Activating Compassion Radio.
2: Hello, Jesse. It's wonderful to be with you. I'm looking forward to our conversation today.
1: Well, this is a real pleasure because, you know, looking at this time, here we are, Fourth of July, and a lot of people go, this is a celebration time of our Independence Day. And yet, at the same time, it's definitely also a time when we're going to think about everything and everyone that was lost in the opinion of that independent. So I don't think we could have a better guest on (laughs) than you today um, at this time. I would love for you to start off by sharing your story because you have an amazing story to to share with people of what brought you into this work of of dealing with grief in a grateful way. Great.
2: Thank you. Well, I will start off with my story because I think it's important to kind of put in context what happened to me. And um, so to me what happened was one evening in March of 2011, I got the knock on the door that no mother wants to answer. Uh, There were two people standing on my doorstep that night. She was small and petite. He was tall and strong. And I smiled as I opened the door, and then my world changed. I think the woman said, um, My name is Amanda, and I'm from the county coroner's office, and this is officer. And that's about all I heard, because to me the most important word there was coroner. Um, They told me, they came in, they sat down, and they told me that my sweet 29-year-old son had been killed in a solo car accident that afternoon. Of course, um, that's what no parent wants to hear, and so, I called my husband, came downstairs. We were sitting there listening to the conversation and After the two people left my home that evening, I called my daughter and told her to come home and I didn't sleep much last night that night um I tossed and turned, and i I felt like I was out searching the other world, trying to connect into the spirit of my son. And I didn't find him that night, but someone else did. And this is where we talk about your connection to the um, topic of today. Some people would call it coincidence or luck, but I call it divine intervention. The right people surrounded me at the right time. After we told my daughter about her brother's death, she called her best friend and after they got off the phone um her best friend called her mother who lived across the country and happens to be a spiritual medium her name is AC and she has the gift of communicating with those who have died she found my son and um she talked to him that evening spirit to spirit i found out about this um a day later when my daughter told me about a return phone call from her friend who relayed the information. And AC found my son very close to the accident site. He had, of course, died but was still there as a spirit, was very confused by the circumstance, and she called out to him and said, Hello, Rick, that's his name, my name is AC, and I am Kitty's mom. And he said, Who the F are you and what are you doing here? Now, I bring that up because it is so typical of a 29-year-old son, especially mine, to say something like that. It's not the words that I would want attributed to my son, but what it goes to is talking about his personality. He was still very much the spirit of the personality of the child that I knew, And so I smiled when my daughter told me this information and I realized at that specific moment that he, in effect, was really still alive. He was not in his body anymore, but he was alive as spirit. And he existed in a different plane. He was never going to be part of this world again, but... He was still the person, the personality that I remembered. And it's interesting to me that this divine intervention happened that my daughter's best friend's mother happened to be a spiritual medium. That's not something that is normally um, in my realm of friendships. Um and so this was a surprise to me, but it was a very wonderful surprise. And I think what I what I want people to understand is that there's more to this. AC, the woman that went out and met my son, has a special gift, but I think we all have the ability to talk to our spirit uh, loved ones that have passed over to the other side. Because I believe that we're humans, we're more than just our physical bodies. We're fields of energy. And we can communicate, we do communicate with each other all the time over the web of life or the intertwining um, energy lines that connect the earth. And so what was even more of a coincidence than this that evening (laughs) was that I happened to be in the middle of a year-long program in psychic development. And so I was just starting the program. I started it about two months prior to my son's death. And the program itself teaches us how to open up our intuition and how to communicate across these telepathic lines and to do intuitive readings and really understand that we're more than just our physical body. We're spiritual bodies, too. So besides having and, AC... Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and that is,
1: I think, an important an important piece. I mean, you brought in a couple of things in there with the right people show up at the right time, Um You know, we so oftentimes worry, you know, I don't have this resource or I don't have that. But when the timing's right and we really do need it, (laughs) it's there. And the piece that we need to remember, we are both human and spirit at the same time in this world. And I think that that's a really big piece that you're bringing up. And I know there's been some talk about that in the past Um, and, you know, we've discussed different things, That yes, yeah, some people understand that on the kind of intellectual level. Of course we're both. But when you realize that we do have that ability to step out and make those communications, and as you say, their communications, they're just a different form. It's like we have mm-hmm. communications on cell phones and we have communications, you know, on through chat, on the Internet. This is just another form of communication. Go right ahead.
2: It is. And you know what was so interesting is that because I was open to this, my son actually spoke to me. We had almost a constant conversation that went on spirit to spirit for the first um, week or two. And that was so comforting to me. It allowed me to be what really grounded to the earth. But it, it just reinforce my faith and my understanding that we really truly are spiritual beings having a physical existence right now. And I think your point was so well taken. So many of us intellectually might believe this, but then we poo-hoo it and we just really don't bring it into our our psyche and and allow it to... Determine how we choose to think of things, and so Rick and I had a conversation throughout the um, the week that we had a celebration of life and everything, and that just that made me happy. I would sit there in just beaming with with love and gratitude and appreciation and laughter along with the sorrow and the grief, because I knew that he still was alive as spirit and that is so profound to me. I I think this
1: is a really important piece because I those that have been listening to my show regularly know that I lost my cat. Um it's been about a month and a half now and she was just totally my twin flame. I mean, we were the best of buddies and everybody saw it. Whoever saw us together go, Man, if that wasn't a cat, I'd swear it was your twin flame, you know? And they go, I think it still is your twin flame. But um, I had about a week or so afterwards as well that there was this constant communication with her. And I was very blessed to have four days at the end of her life to spend with her that I did not get online. I did not do any work. I just devoted it completely to her. And, um, you know, as I did this and I I hear this from a lot of people and I think this happens a lot of times when people pass and they've either been there for the passing or they're very close to the person and that communication uh, as you say can be very comforting and I, I guess my point in that would be I don't want people to think that they're crazy if they're hearing that voice if they're having that conversation but to embrace it and not get lost in all the fear but embrace that conversation as you did
2: very definitely embrace it and i think what happens is so often we we get caught up in the deep deep sorrow and pain and grief and despair of losing someone um i felt all those things too along with the happiness but what I found was that through meditation, I was able to separate a little bit from those very deep, the deep anguish. And as I sat in meditation, I came into this soft awareness. And through that soft kind of a veil of in-consciousness and in-non-consciousness state, I was really able to allow a lot more communication. Um, it doesn't mean that the grief isn't there. It doesn't mean that you don't love someone that is has passed. Um, I found, though, that the, the short meditative breaks throughout the period really allowed me to ground and to remain in my body and be fully conscious and aware of the experience that I was experiencing, of both the sorrow and the happiness at the same time, and I think that's so so important. So often we get caught up in the activity, and and we forget that um, we can choose how we react to certain circumstances, and um, I I think that that's. That's really important. I,
4: you
2: know, come I, to, I Go ahead. I, I think you've got two two good points that
1: you're going on, and I want you to, to feel free to continue on this. Um, and that is the short breaks. I find that the short breaks are important because too many of us, we go back in and then we try to get into this heavy work mode to not think about it or to... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just busy our minds so we can get through the day and not break down in front of everybody. Um, But if we can just take those breaks to step away for a little bit and step away from people in the office and take those little meditational breaks, and you can do that even if you're still working. Um, And then the other piece, as you say, choosing our reaction. Again, we, we oftentimes are programmed to have this dramatic, sorrowful, sobbing (laughs) thing going on. And we have to remember that that we do have that choice. And and all of the emotions, I think, need to be embraced in the grieving process. So go right ahead.
2: I I agree with you. I think that the short breaks, getting away from the shoulds, um, whatever society believes that you should do in a period of mourning is not what you have to do at all. I never experienced the rage or the anger and yet because I've been programmed by society to believe that those things were coming I spent a good 2 years just kind of uh, waiting <laughs> for them to happen and at some point I realized they wouldn't um that I call it a a, a snowdrift of grief that I just kind of watched dissipate and I kept waiting for this new terrible blizzard to show up and it never did and I think it's because of the way I chose to behave during this time of immense immense sorrow I didn't know who I was who I was now I was somebody totally different I was a mother but I was a mother of a child that was alive and I was a mother of a child that was not alive and so i knew that i was a different person because of this experience and yet i didn't know who that new person was going to be and so i allowed myself to kind of be in a place of not knowing for a while of not of allowing this new person me this new me to blossom And I I did that because I allowed myself the opportunity to sit in meditation and to experience what I experienced, a deep, deep sorrow, but also the happiness. And I also knew that I had choice. Every moment of every day, I knew that I could fall into the despair, fall into the stories of what could have been, what should have been, those are just stories. They're they're made up um thoughts about what I expected life to be like in the future. And so I've come to think that really grief is twofold. It's the painful longing for the physical presence of our loved one. But it's more than that. It's also the emotional heartache we feel as we disengage from the unfulfilled dreams, the sorrows of what could have been, the stories of the life unlived. And if I, if I walked into the stories of, of what could have been if Rick lived, that's when I hit the despair. That's when I hit the depression. And I knew that that was my choice of whether I stayed there or whether I moved out of it. And I always chose to move out of it it was my choice.
1: Yeah, and here again, you're bringing up some really big points here. Um, first of all, you brought up the aspect of we become a new person, and it doesn't matter whether you're losing a parent or whether you lost a child, um, you know, or some other relative or a pet or whatever it is, but you do, because who you are with somebody or as part of a group of people um, is always going to be a little bit different than who you are when you're totally on your own. And um, it's, it's interesting you talk about the timing of things coming through. When I was in the process of my cat going and I was taking that time, I stopped and I was reading a book <laughs> that somebody I knew wrote called Parley with Evil. And in that process, the one of the characters... Uh, loses a very dear guide and um, and that guide passes on and part of the spirit advice that came through was now it's time for you to journey the next phase on your own. You know, you're yes. meant to journey on your own for a little bit. So there is that new person and as, as I mentioned to you before the show, my mom is in the process of passing right now and um, and so there is this aspect that life changes no matter how much we think we're an adult, <laughs> life changes when you lose a parent, just yes. like it changes when you lose a child. And I, I, I'm not sure where I'm going to be in the whole process as this happens. Um, but, you know, people talk about it, it really shifts because all of a sudden it's like not having that security blanket there in a way, or, you know, not having that comfort up even if you, Regardless of what the communications were, now the other the other point that you brought up that I thought was really good was this aspect of emotional heartache of what could have been, and um, I think I I don't know of a person that doesn't go through that piece of it, and that's where we kind of live as you say in the should have what what if you know they were still alive we still had all of this to go, and it's a great reminder. I think of how much we tend to live in the future without even knowing it, instead of being in that present moment.
2: That's very true, and we do we live in the we live in the present somewhat, but we have stories about how we think our life is going to go, and when someone passes, all those stories are shaken and our foundation is crumbling about what we thought our future was going to be whether it be a child a parent a spouse um even a loss of a job or a loss of um something your home in a fire or a flood all of these things are are core foundational safety issues and as we as our foundation is is kind of rocking we need a way to stabilize, and, and what I have in the book are a number of healing meditations that I provide as a way of kind of moving forward and acknowledging that the safety is of concern, but finding tools and ways to deal with it so that we don't just have to walk through it. We can walk through it equipped with some energy tools to really Kind of um allow ourselves to be in the present moment, and the more we can be in present time, the more aware we are, the more conscious we are of exactly what our experience is right here in the moment, the more we can go through this in a very choice filled aware state
1: absolutely and and you've got some excellent meditations in there. <laughs> I want to mention, and and you're bringing up, you know, here again, an aspect that I think happens for a lot of people in this grief process. And again, for those that are just tuning in, we're we're talking with Della Temple today, and our topic is around um, grieving gracefully, <laughs> and her work with that. And I think so many times that the shock, like you say, whatever the loss is, it work or a loved one or, you know, a pet or, or whatever the loss is, a piece of ourselves and somehow um, that comes through, that we automatically start to separate from our, our body. And I think that that's a natural response. Our soul kind of goes, oh, my gosh, I've had enough. <laughs> this, is, mm-hmm. this is too painful. And I don't want to deal with this. And without even realizing it we become dazed and we become spacey and we become flighty and and I think this happens a lot with people, whether they get a sudden piece of news like you got, um, which really throws you into shock, um, or whether you've had the time to process it and say, Well, you know, like me, my mom, you know, she's older, she's had health issues for most of her life and and, you know, this isn't an unexpected thing. She's, you know, would be eighty six in August. So I mean, she's had a long life, and, you know, we could justify it up and down, but the reality of it is is there's still this phased-out stuff that, that comes in. So you, you actually do some great meditations in there. And I have to say, one of my favorites that you have in there, maybe you can share it with us here on the air if you feel like it, um, is one of blowing up roses. And... I found that good on so many levels because it released I think multiple emotions at once for me. Yeah. And the grounding that peak that, that grounding piece is incredibly important.
2: You know, blowing up a rose is an interesting uh meditative tool and, and it's one of the tools that I use that I learned at Boulder Psychic Institute, when I and I am studying there still. I took some of the energy tools from there, and I wrote about them in another book that I have, Tame Your Inner Critic. Um, but the tools apply to life in general. And so it was very, very helpful for me to use this tool. Um, and I used it almost... I'm not kidding, every single day. So would you like me to, um, how would you like to do this, Jesse? Would you like me just to talk about it? Would you like me to read the meditation? Um, What do you think is the best?
1: Um,
2: You know, I I think maybe a little bit
1: of both would be great. You know, if you could talk about it a little bit and and fill us in on it. And I'm sorry for that background noise. It's, It's just a inevitable on the timing on my end. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I will mute my mic so everybody can hear you beautifully in it and then and then share it. And th- I want to remind people this is only one meditation out of several that are in your book. And through all of my studies and my research, uh, like you, that grounding aspect. And as I read through years, I'm like, it brought back so many memories of uh, one of my spiritual teachers that passed on many years ago um, <clears throat> an exercises that we did. So it really, for me, was like, oh, yeah, this is what we need to get back to, these fundamentals and these basics. So I'm going to mute my mic out and let you run with it.
2: Okay. Okay. What I'm going to do is read a little bit, um, just a couple of paragraphs before the meditation, and then I will read the meditation as we kind of close our eyes and go through it. So where I'd like to start is it's in the chapter on learning to ride the wave. And the chapter of learning to ride the wave is really about how to experience the wave of grief, and there are many of these waves of grief that come through you at various times. So from a metaphysical point of view, when you cry, your loss moves through the various layers of your energy body and Exits your system. This is the release that we feel at the end of a good cry. What was li- literally attached to your physical body has been removed, leaving you feeling calm and peaceful and renewed. At least I found this to be true for me. If I allow the emotions to flow, to experience them deeply and fully, I can feel a bodily shift as they clear. After Rick's loss, I cried often and I cried deeply. I keened for my loved one. I accepted this gut-wrenching, razor-sharp, searing pain for what it was, a natural healing process. But as I cried, I kept the self-pity and despair stories at bay. I used a technique called blowing up a rose to keep the thoughts of what might have been from taking root in my body and my mind. I learned this tool at Boulder Psychic Institute's enlightenment program where I was studying at the time of Rick's death. Because this meditation is so soothing, I'm sharing it with you to practice whenever you feel your dreams and life have been shattered. So here's the meditation. It's fairly short. Close your eyes. Take some deep cleansing breaths. On the inhale... Bring all of your awareness into your body. On the exhale, ground to the earth. Inhale and center. Exhale and ground. Breathe deeply as you focus on the present moment, right here, right now. Leave your to-do list thoughts behind. Allow yourself to be at peace. Now, think of a story that is no longer true for you. Perhaps you'll think about the story of how your child will marry and have children. Maybe you've told yourself stories of a retirement planned with your life partner. You can acknowledge that the story has always been that. Just a story. It was your fantasy about what you wanted to happen. As you continue to think about the story of what might have been and now will no longer be, imagine the image of a rose appearing in front of your closed eyes. The rose can be any color, any shape, any size. In the rose is a giant magnet that is pointing back towards you. Ask the magnet in the rose to draw your story to it. Watch as each piece of your story leaves your body and moves into the rose. Watch the streams of color as they leave your heart, your throat your mind, and move into the petals. Watch the rose go bigger and bigger as the story of what might have been takes up residence in the flower. Feel the emotions that you've attached to this story leave your body and flow into the rose. Allow self pity to leave. Allow the deep emotional pain of a story that won't come true to leave your body and flow into the rose. Feel the sadness, the deep sorrow of loss, without the despair and hopelessness. When you've collected as much of that old story as you can, then blow up the rose. Put a bomb under it and just explode it. Watch it disintegrate and feel the story of what could have been disintegrate too. Before you come out of meditation, fill your mind with thoughts of peace Tranquility and serenity. Intend for these energies to surround you for the rest of the day. Diffusing the pow- power of the story allows you re- to return to the present, the now, the current situation, without the baggage of what could have been, should have been, or was it meant to be. Open your eyes. And that's the end of the meditation. And to
1: me, that is such a powerful meditation. Um, as I read through that in your book, I felt that, um, you know, I immediately saw the parallels for so many other areas of life. Hey. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm immediately thought, oh, my gosh, I could, you know, all the patterns that are out there, all those dreams that we have, of, you know, whether it's becoming rich or finding, you know, the perfect love or whatever it is, fits so well into this meditation and being able to release those. And as you say, there really is this peacefulness that comes over, and I encourage people to be Go back and listen to this segment of the show because it is powerful, and, and I hope you'll make, <laughs> I hope you'll take the meditations from your book and do CDs or something from it because uh, I think between your voice and everything, it it just really brings it all together for somebody to um, be able to let go and, and hear it and not have to think it through at the same time. Um, yeah, to, to fully be
2: there. Um, I, thank you. That's leads. that's a good idea. Yeah. I think I I will um, put the meditations up. I'll I'll do some recordings of them and and put them out there for people. Um, yeah. You know, and the blowing up a rose. Awesome. The blowing up a rose technique is something that, I, as I said before, I use it all the time on all different kinds of circumstances. Um, there's all kinds of what I call foreign energy or other people's thoughts and feelings that are th- the shoulds of the world that are turn into our own beliefs. And those are the things that we can just blow up and go back to present time and exactly the way it is, not the way we think it should be or that somebody else tells us they think it should be. So, yes, the blowing up a rose is a, I think I probably blow roses
1: every single day. (laughs) I I think every since I've read that I've been like, ooh, a rose blowing up (laughs) break, you know. Um, And and I'm really glad you brought that up about other people's thoughts, because we do oftentimes get bombarded, and we have thoughts running through us that, we don't even realize, we're sitting there thinking these are our thoughts, this is my negative spiral or my poverty consciousness or my grief consciousness. And it isn't, you know, it's really, and, and myself being empathic, that holds very true because I oftentimes feel somebody else's feelings before I feel my own. And and I can feel this grief going on and, and it's like, okay, so I, I get it. And then I'm like, well, where did this come from all of a sudden then? And it took me a while. I actually went through a period when my empathic abilities were coming up that I, I kept dropping things and breaking glasses on the floor and water spilling everywhere. And I'm like, what is this about? And I started and realizing these emotions were not mine, and I had to stop and learn how to ask, who, who do these belong to? And like you say, other people's thoughts like that can really impose Big stories on us that can, without knowing it, we can take on, and then create patterns in our lives that we don't want to to be it. Um, so th- this is just such a beautiful technique for so many pieces and so many aspects of life beyond the grief process. And um, again, just fits perfectly with this weekend between. You know, uh, creating freedom, and you know, so many people also acknowledging yeah. the loss losses that go with that. Now, um, you started to tap into some of your other work, aiming your own inner critic, and this that piece actually goes a little bit hand in hand with the grief process because one of the big things you talk about um, with with this work is that. Uh, the emotions come up, and there is this vast amount of emotions that come up with grief, uh, such as anger. But but even beyond that is self-blaming and our own inner critic. So I would love for you to talk a little
2: bit about that. I'd love to. Um, I wrote two books almost simultaneously, and it was an interesting process. So both of the books that I've written are brand new this year. Uh, Tame Your Inner Critic, Find Peace and Contentment to Live Your Life on Purpose was it came out in February. And it is a book that has 40 exercises and meditations. And I have also done a workbook for it uh, that you can find on my website, delatemple.com. And the premise here is that people exchange energy with each other in the form of thoughts and feelings all the time. And I think you spoke to this, Jesse, as you were talking about your empath work and the idea that you get covered in the energy of other people and you can't then distinguish between what is your own intuition What are your true thoughts and feelings and what are the thoughts and feelings, judgments and criticisms that everybody else has kind of thrown at you? And I think it happens to all of us. You probably are much more conscious of it and aware of it and you feel it a lot more than most people, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't happen to everybody. And I believe that this is what the inner critic is. It's the mashup of all of the judgments, the criticisms, the shoulds that our friends, neighbors, parents, strangers have thrown our way. And those energies have stuck to our body and to our aura. And we can't tell what is ours versus what everybody's thrown at us. And so what I teach in... Tame Your Inner Critic, is how to remove the energies of the other people so that you can then hear your own intuition. And by hearing your own intuition you'll find your purpose, your unique gift, why you're here, and uh, be able to share that with the world. So uh, the, the you're right, there is a definite tie-in between the two books. And and to go back to what you said originally, um, it, I believe it's divine intervention on me writing two books at the same time that are using the tools but in totally different ways. So thank you for 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 that. It's a it's been a fun experience.
1: Uh, well, and and I think I think in so many ways there is this correlation between the two of them, which. Uh, probably is why you were like to write two of them so closely like that. Because when I look at it, and as you're talking, when we talk about the judgments and the should, you know, it's from the should that oftentimes I would say guilt comes up when we talk about yes. the grieving process and we start to feel guilty. Now, we could feel guilty granted because we did something that was harsh and cruel, Intentionally, (laughs) but I would say for most people, the guilt comes from the shoulds that are imposed on us by other people. There's a lot of people that might say, Well, you should do this for your family, you should, um, you know, be there as your mom's passing, and you should, you know, and we take on a lot of guilt, I think, from. Other people should. What are
2: your thoughts about that? Yes, absolutely. I think that there is a societal way of uh, judging what, quote, should happen at a time of grief. And I, I speak about this in the book, about whether it's really society saying that it's okay to laugh in the middle of a grief experience. If that's the feeling that you have, then yes, it is okay to laugh, even if society might uh, throw a little bit of judgment energy at you about it. What One of the other meditations in the book is called Keeping Pity at Bay, and it's really about protecting yourself from all of the other energies that are coming at you. People not only um, send judgments your way about what they think you should be doing during a period of grief, But unconsciously, they're also dumping a lot of their own unresolved grief, their own unresolved issues about guilt, about how they had loved ones that died or or something along that happened in their life. They're sending some of those judgments your way and kind of sending you, dumping some of that in your lap. Um, unconsciously, I don't think your friends would, would do that on purpose, but it does happen. And so there's an awareness that it's happening, and then there's a way to really protect yourself from it by allowing your aura to be surrounded in a protective coating so that you only accept the energies that are in alignment with your own true wisdom, not the energies of other people. And this is another kind of um back and forth between tame your inner critic because I also use that same process of protecting your aura um to eliminate any um judgments that come in that can affect your own ability to hear your intuition so. and and I think that I think that's
1: so important what you're bringing up because um uh, we do so much of our own stuff, and we wonder, why are we not connecting to us? Why are we not able to make this connection? And oftentimes it's because we've got all this clutter from others. And, you know, fortunately, I'm surrounded by some very spiritual friends that say, you know, you're fine. You're not meant to be there. <laughs> and it's ironic because I had planned to see my father when he passed and to be there, and he passed before I could get there. And and, um, I had been moved into southern Utah to be closer to my mom in her later years. And ironically, I was taken out of Utah. Um, Situations, circumstances, whatever you want to say, um, led me to leave Utah. And, um, you know, and here I am, not there for (laughs) this passing. And it's not meant to be i've I've very specifically been given that message from spirit, and I'm okay with that um but almost inevitably in the family unit when we look at families um maybe not in yours, but <laughs> in most families there there are people that like to play the victim role or there are controllers or uh, that take on those different roles, and they're the ones that tend to really i would say. Put their own unresolved stuff out on other people because they're already not dealing with their own life and things. And yes. When you toss this into the picture, then you know it seems like they're. You know, most likely those are the types of sources that they're coming from. And that's not to blame or make judgments. But as you say, we need to be aware because we do need to pay attention to how to. Create that own protection for ourselves, so that we can keep our connection uncluttered.
2: Yes, and and you know, as we keep our own self uncluttered and clear, then we can connect in to our wisdom, our inner wisdom. And if we know in our heart, if we know that we're doing the thing, acting the way that is most in alignment with our true spirit that's the most we can ask of ourselves um and and to allow everyone else to be in their exact spot who they exactly are at that moment without judgment from our end but still being aware and conscious that they could be sending us some stuff and so we can we can kind of protect ourselves i think interestingly too there's there's a part here of of in the grief process of regret um regret about what not only what could have been maybe what was left unsaid you talked about this in your opening um what might have been unsaid person to person or the idea that you weren't there when someone passed and i would just suggest that we can always talk spirit to spirit, even after someone has passed, and that the connection that we have with our loved ones never, never dies. It just changes form. So if we have some unresolved regret, if we, in our own heart, need to express a certain feeling to our loved one, we can do it spirit to spirit at any time, even... Thirty years after they've passed, if there's something that you want to say to to someone that you loved, then you can do that, uh, spirit to spirit. And I think that that acknowledging that and utilizing that really opens us up to resolving all of the karma, all of the grief, all of the agreements we have with people, and allows us then to be in full integrity with exactly who we are and to have said everything we need to say um at the moment and we can also listen fun. to what they yes. might say um back to us spirit to spirit. So that's that's always fun if we can if we can kind of do the two way street and oh, yeah. hear what they have to say to us.
1: Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up. Um I had a guest on earlier this year, uh Rocky Krogfoss, and He mentioned that this journey that he had with his father and the toughness and that, and after his father passed, um, came to him with this regret. And uh, this can oftentimes happen when somebody gets back into their soul self and they've been removed from the distractions of this plane uh, that they might regret something. So as you say, it comes from both sides. Uh, I oftentimes find some really wonderful communications after somebody's passed. And I've been one of those people that relatives seem to just contact me, (laughs) be it spiritually, whatever, right before they're ready to pass. You know, I had um, an aunt that uh, I spoke with hours before she passed. I had uh, uh, an uncle that called me that I hadn't spoken to in years and called me and you know, talked to me for a little bit just a couple of days before he passed. And everybody's like, why is he hanging on? And he sent me a message of why he was hanging on. I go, well, until you guys get this result, he's not going to leave. So yeah. you need to get this result. Um, and sure enough, as soon as they did that, he he went. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I had those conversations with my dad. and So, yeah, I, I think that that regrets piece, and, and, and it's such a great reminder for us To remember, don't leave things unsaid. You know, don't hold on to these emotions. You know, work on letting them go now. (laughs) Uh, Even if you're challenged by these people, even if the anger comes up, work through it. Um, You know, you don't have to wait until they pass to, to work through something. And this kind of leads me to another piece that you bring up in your work, as well, which is about powerlessness, Um, particularly in a situation like yours, where we talk about people who have gone to war and not returned home physically, um, these sorts of things. There's a sense of powerlessness for people who are left behind. I mean, I kind of felt that, too, with my cat. You know, all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. this came on, and I felt helpless to do anything, yeah.
2: Um, share with us about that for a little while. Sure. You know, I I think it's choice and and that's what what I found I could I could feel I could choose to feel powerless or I could choose to feel not powerless. And every moment of every day for the period of intense grief that I had I actually was very conscious of when I was in what I would call my own choice and when I wasn't. Um, And if we're powerless, we are actually giving away our spirit, we're giving away our life force energy to someone else. Uh, we're, We're playing the victim or we're woe is me kind of thing, and I... I had a lot of moments like that, but at the same time, my ability to be aware of that and to actually stand a little bit behind myself in a way and say, oh my, you're going through a powered powerless moment right here. You're kind of in the depths of your victimhood, aren't you, dear? And as I said that to myself, I was able to pull myself back from that by blowing up a rose, putting the story into the rose and blowing it up, doing a lot of grounding, sending some of these energies down to the earth so I didn't have to have them in my body. And I think the the point would be that we are able to choose our thoughts. And as we choose our thoughts We choose our actions, and as we choose our actions, we choose our life. And so your thoughts are really, really important, and we have the ability to change up a thought. If Every day when I started down the road of, you know, oh, woe is me, my son has died, especially during the holidays, Um, Christmas was a, a very difficult one for me, And I sat there Christmas morning full of the, oh, woe is me, I don't have a child this Christmas. And what I found is if I could pull myself back from that, um, I could experience a level of joy and happiness that was right below the pain of the grief of the loss and the sorrow and that i didn't have to go into the depths of the despair i could stand aside from that and experience the sorrow but at the same time experience joy and i think that that that's what i i believe is the a different way to grieve this is a broadening of the discussion about what it means to grieve the loss of someone it's It's not only grieving the physical loss, it's grieving the stories, but it's doing it in a conscious way. One of the chapters is called Conscious Grieving. And I think that this is really about being totally aware, totally conscious, without judgment for yourself. You know, we all kind of waver in in how good we are of staying out of the despair, but if we're consciously aware of when we're in despair and when we're not we can pull ourselves out and i think it's only up to us um no one else can do it for us and so we each walk our own path we we can't walk someone else's path we walk our own and we can encourage and help uh watch and listen for what someone else is going through but we each have our own journey here I think that's true, and and you can take several
1: people who know somebody, and they're all going to have different experiences in that grieving process. They're all going to have different layers or depths of emotions and different ways that they're going to get through it and uh, to honor that somebody else might grieve differently than you grieve or I grieve or things like that. Um, I'm glad you brought up the Christmas because I had just written down... (laughs) ask her about how to deal with those first times
4: um
1: after somebody passes because that first year is really hard. We we think we've gotten past something and then 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 we hit that birthday and it's the first time without celebrating their birthday and I know you got a great story to go with that. And you know, then there's the first time of going someplace without them or there's the first as you mentioned Christmas or holiday without them. Um share with people how to how to move beyond
2: that a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think every day of the first year is a new first of something. And you know, I, I write a lot about like the first the first week. Um, how do you deal with the in my case the first Sunday um without how can you deal with the first mother's day the first christmas the first birthday without and and it gets easier after you've gone through the first because by the second mother's day the second anniversary the second birthday whatever you have a little bit more of a bearing you you kind of understand a little bit more but this is this is what i call riding the wave and it really is acknowledging that those are going to be difficult times preparing for them ahead of time um and acknowledging that that a lot of this is is something that you you can work through for me thanksgiving was an interesting one because i was surprised at how difficult thanksgiving was for me the first thanksgiving we went through without our son and what i what i still did every single first was i did a lot of meditative work in choosing how i was going to kind of look at that day and how i was going to be and then I kept taking the five-minute meditative breaks throughout the days um, on all the major holidays and allowed myself just a chance to kind of stand a little bit aside and be the observer of how I was doing and how others were doing and to know that it was going to be difficult ahead of time. Um, I prepared. I really prepared for major holidays, not by going into a lot of despair, But by just sitting in meditation and saying, okay, how am I going to intend this day to go? What is it about today that I want to happen? And what is it today that is within my control to make happen? And so I would choose my attitude. And by choosing my attitude, I think I affected not only myself, but I affected the other people that were surrounding me. My family has told me since that they looked to me to see how I was dealing with this first year. And as I dealt with it, I modeled a way for them then to think about it. It was not full of shoulds or anything that they should do, but they all saw, saw that I was handling it in a specific way that I was full of meditation, I was full of of happiness and good cheer along with sorrow and they said, Oh, I guess we don't have to be angry. I guess we don't have to go into rage. And so they all seemed to follow along in that same kind of venue. And it was it was very helpful to me then to know that I was also helping the people around me understand how we might approach one of these major holidays and so um even you know the 4th of July and and all the different things that that all of us used to do with our loved ones that have passed on on a major holiday it's important um to to recognize that for what it was it's something in the past and it is a memory from the past, but it is not part of the future, and it's not part of the present. And to stay in the present moment, I think, is, is really the key here.
1: And I, I think that this is really important because, as you said those first, and it's not about, okay, I'm going to plan to be in this devastating place or that type of thing, so much as, Okay, I'm coming up on this first, and there could be triggers that come up. There might not be. There could be, um, probably will be. So I need to allot that time in my day to be able to go off and meditate. I need to give myself that permission to step away from a group of people and mm-hmm. have that time that I need. Um, yes. that's, so that's what we're talking about when we talk about planning for those days and I think preparing in that way, too, because sometimes we don't always remember what's attached to that holiday until it shows up. And that's yes. the first one, you know, out for me. I know the first Christmas after my dad passed, uh, he had passed in February, and then it was uh, Christmas um uh, it was a hard time, and we kind of had a double whammy because his birthday was on Christmas. And uh, that was always such a big time for him, uh, Christmas Day. I mean, he was always excited about that, not just because it was his birthday, but because of what he had done. He, he always wanted to see if he could plan some sort of surprise, you know, for us, uh, that we wouldn't guess that he had gotten us, all that type of thing. So... Uh, it was so, hard, and the, the dynamics of Christmas just totally changed in our past. Yes,
2: and, and what I found helpful for me is to really spend some time thinking about how I wanted to celebrate, especially around the major holidays, and whether I was really a, wanted to do some of the same traditions that we had always done together as a family and to allow myself to set my own boundaries that I chose not to have um, the same type of a Christmas celebration as we normally did. I chose not to have the same kind of a Thanksgiving celebration as we normally did because it was too much. There were too many memories. It was too hard for me to do that And what I learned to do this first year was to speak up, to set my own boundaries and to say, you know what, I don't have to do that. That's a should. And I choose something different. And so for Thanksgiving, I chose to have enchiladas (laughs) instead of a turkey dinner because I just knew that there were too many triggers, too many emotional pitfalls for me on having a big turkey dinner. And for Christmas, I chose not to do a traditional Christmas that first year. And that took a lot of courage to speak about it to my loved ones, to say, you know, I don't think I am ready for this. Would it be okay if we did something completely different this first year? And what was freeing, was the surprise that my loved ones also wanted to do something a little bit different. Uh, They, too, were feeling the triggers, the emotional currents, undercurrents, and none of us wanted to be in the depths of the depression. So we decided to do something totally different. My daughter went off, actually, for a year of hosteling around Europe. Um, This is another one of those lovely coincidences or divine interventions, you might say. Um, She had been thinking about taking a year off from her work as a teacher and had spoken to her brother about it about a week before she died or he died and was really contemplating taking a year off to kind of uh, travel around Europe. And then Rick died, and with the life insurance money from Rick, she was able then to experience the year that she had wanted to experience. And she really called it Rick's year. It was a gift from her her brother in the form of his life insurance money that allowed her the opportunity to travel for a year. And that was the way she chose to um, do something different. And I think the lesson here for me is that it's it's to stand away from the shoulds and to to think about what is true for you and to be able to express that to the people that you love and find a common way that you can all experience what you need to experience is the major major holidays and in the first year it goes. Goes through so. and
1: and I think you really did hit the big point there, which is for us to not get wrapped up in all the shit um in any part of this process uh However, it comes to us uh i I also wanted to go hand in hand with this because you talk about doing things differently, but then there's also
4: your own little
1: rights that you set up along the way. Uh, with things that can still be a way of remembering the person, if you want to say that, Um, but in a a funner, more joyful, happy way. And I know in your book you mentioned about one of the first you had to experience, which was really tough, was going up to your cabin um, after he passed because that was the road he was killed on. And Um, and eventually then you developed another tradition of saying hi, honking horn, (laughs)
4: um,
1: doing something different every time you went up after that that created a more playful connection for you.
2: You know, and and that was an interesting experience. Um, We had built, well, it took us six years to build a cabin in the mountains, And Rick and my daughter, Megan, were a part of the experience. And Rick died in year three of our six-year build. So he was very attached to our mountain cabin. And he actually had lived um, up there for a little while before he died. And he was coming down the canyon when he died. So that is a road that is very meaningful, you might say to me. Um, The first time that my husband and I had to drive that road after Rick died, um, I had to consciously choose how I was going to experience that drive. And I thought about it, and I, I wanted to make sure that I was strong enough emotionally to be able to do the drive. But I was also very surprised because my spirit son came to visit me at just the right moment, just a couple of miles before the accident site, um, had a, a spirit-to-spirit conversation that lasted as I passed the accident site. And so that was just, a. and I write about that in the book because I think it's it helped me get through that immediacy of that first trip but then we we also have now a tradition is every time we round the corner and come up the drive we toot the horn and um we kind of say hello to Rick as as a way of of acknowledging that as spirit he is still very much a part of the cabin and he is very still much a part of the energy that surrounds the place, and so we imagine he's sitting on top of the rock, just kind of tipping his hat as we come around the corner and i I'm smiling now as I tell you about that, and I smile every single time we toot the horn as we come around the corner, and it's It's kind of a a sweet way of of keeping his memory um alive but at the same time acknowledging that um there are 3 of us now instead of 4. So it's it's um it's a lovely little tradition that we've done as a family. And and I think those types of
1: little traditions and those things can be very valuable in the healing process. Um along the way because it's it just really it does allow us to move and choose those other spaces to be in. And um, obviously there's a lot of intense memories and things related with that uh, along the way. So I, I think that's just such a great example of something that we can do to to create new traditions and their honor. Mm-hmm. Um one of the things, too, you mentioned your, in your book, and I know we're winding down on time, uh, that I would just like to touch on a little bit, was you held a party. <laughs> you held a party. And I I found this so great that you brought this up because so many times when we do a wake or, you know, a, a gathering after a funeral process, um, you know, we we tend to do it for for what we think the living people need instead of keeping in mind who the deceased person was and you know what they were all about. And I have known a couple of other people that threw parties as well uh, because that, they they were honoring who the person was. So I. I think that's an important thing for us to keep in mind, to, yes. to do what they were about versus just
2: us. Well, I also believe that there there is spirit, that um, it takes a while for newly um, past people, spirits, to detach from the earth. And so I believe that they're... They're very, very close around us, especially during the first few weeks, first month, first year of passing. And so when I was planning this this celebration of life for, for Rick, it was pretty much that it was going to be exactly the party that Rick would have had if he had been alive, because that is a way for me to honor him and also to experience his spirit and it was it was a very magical um party we held it out um Rick was known to open his home to all his friends and neighbors and he had his garage door open all the time and people would be in and out and it was just one of those gathering places so that's exactly what we did we opened up his garage We had the party, we closed off the street, we had a block party, we had the barbecues out there, we had a fire pit going, and it was the exact kind of a party that Rick would have hosted if he had been alive. And um, it was a lovely experience for me because I really felt his presence there, much more so than if we had been in a place that was not as in alignment with who he was as a spirit. So this allowed him to be there as a spirit and to really kind of still host the party in a way. I, I kept turning towards the barbecue, expecting to see my son there, um, and I could feel that he was as a spirit. He was very much there that day with us. So that in itself brought so much happiness to me. I... I think it was one of those grace-filled days. And that's part of the reason I called the book Walking in Grace with Grief. I think that that I was able to walk in this bubble of grace hand-in-hand hand with grief for the whole mourning period that I had for my son. And I I want to help people understand that that is possible that it is it is a, a kind of a different way of looking at the experience but it's one that's a very heart-centered very open to energy spirit and um miraculous at the same time it was it was full of miracles and and divine intervention throughout this whole experience and i think that um That's open to all of us. Um, I don't think I'm any special person or any different than anybody else. I just happen to be open to allowing this kind of experience to happen to me.
1: And I think that is a powerful piece, and I think you are setting some new examples and helping people break out of the shoulds and the programming, and I'm always pro that. (laughs) I'm I'm very, very pro helping people break out of those programming spaces because we get so much of it, and it's such heavy energy. And um, I, I think that really brought things around so beautifully, you know, that that was a piece that really tied in for why you called it that. And I think you really will make a huge difference for a lot of people As they go through this process Because we all are going to go through it in life And not just once or twice But multiple times in different ways And so I I think it is so, so very important Um, Della, I would love for you to take a couple of minutes here And to just share how do people reach you You know, again, uh, share with us what your work is called? You've got you've got two books out. Uh, how they can uh, get those books, and you know anything you have going on, or if they want to work with you, or anything like that. Okay. So if you'll go ahead and do that. That would
2: all right. Well, the easiest way to to find me is just della temple dot com. Uh, both books, the workbook, all of the information is right there on the website. It's really easy um, to find information. You can just Google my name and it's all there. And I have a closing little bit from the book that, that just would take maybe 30 seconds that I'd love to leave you with because I think it's it's kind of the, the heart of this. And what seemed to help me the most during this time of sorrow was to fully embrace the concept of life after death. My understanding of spirit, of God, of heaven, or whatever name you attach to source, is that we are truly spiritual beings having a physical existence. I hold to the concept that we come to this planet to experience the separateness from the One. By knowing separate, we also understand not separate. And that's what we are not separate. We are part of God. We are the source's arms and legs that allow source to experience experiences. And so my loved one has just returned to source. He is in the next room, right over there, right beyond my sight. That's the way I viewed the experience. He is not dead in the truest sense. He has changed form altered his appearance, that's all. Rick is still Rick. Only now, he is more than just the boy I knew. He's the sum of all his past lifetimes. He is grace. He is part of God. And he is home. Thank you so much for having me, Jesse. I've really enjoyed this experience. And... I hope that the audience can get to a place of working through their own grief in their own way and acknowledging that we really truly are spiritual beings and that we are surrounded every day, every minute by Source, and all we have to do is open ourselves. To that feeling And it is there
1: Thank you Thank you for those closing comments too Um, I think you've shared A wealth of powerful information For people to take away And to use and to implement In their life and their own processes And truly a blessing to have you on here Truly a gift I know for many people at this time, like I said, um, when I saw your book out, I was like, I'm totally jumping on this opportunity to get you on the show right now because it is a time of year that, like I said, even though we're celebrating freedom, it does bring up a lot of memories. It does bring up a lot of grieving times. And we're in a time, spiritually, where we have a lot of people leaving the earth and so definitely very, very precious My deep gratitude for you being here on this show. Um, truly a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.
4: And uh,
1: I want to move on here. And again, you can, and I apologize for the noise in the background today, um, working under some busy, uh, noisy conditions, I guess you would say a little bit, Um But if you've missed any part of the show today, please go back and catch the archives because there has been so much information shared and a beautiful meditation shared by Della that you definitely want to catch as well. Um, Next week on the show, I'm going to have Robert Oval with us. And I should say Dr. Robert Oval with us talking about his work, uh, which is called Light and Lessons from a War Zone. And I'll – I'll tell you, I was. I started off reading this book from him and I initially thought, okay, I put it off and put it off. And, and when I got into it, wow, the descriptions, the, the experiences, the lessons that came out of that were so powerful. So I know you're going to want to hear what he has to say next week, so definitely tune in with us. We're going to be early next week, by the way. Um, I just want to mention that as well because it's going to be like 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time. So it's an early show next week. I just want to give you that heads up. If you don't get up that early or you're off to work already at that time, you can certainly catch it in the archives without a problem. Um, My books on relationships have been released. They're out and available. All my books are available Um, as well as other things that I have going on. Uh, I will be gradually posting events along the way. I need to get a little settled here in Sioux Falls um, since I just came back and it was a little unexpected to come back into this region right now. Um, But I do have some stuff that will be coming up in the fall and I do have some additional stuff I'll be posting along the way as far as events go. I am going to be running events out of the Sioux Falls area, so you're going to want to watch for that. Uh, I just need a little time to... Pull it together and and get a little more in tune with my surroundings (laughs) before I start posting everything um, that will be going on. There are um, all kinds of things you can find through my website, archive shows, blogs. I just put up a brand new video this week uh, talking about um, anxiety, which you may want to tune into. And, again, you can catch all the archive shows through there as well. It's Ann Nichols, George, Ann Number One dot com. And also you can check catch all the shows uh from Main Street Universe on there. We've got our card shows on there. Now July special deal that I have going on right now, I do want to mention that, um, is that I'm doing short coaching sessions. And if you head over to my website, Ann Nichols, George, the Number One dot com, you'll find out the information on that but it's only $15 for 10 minutes, $30 for 20 minutes right now. I can cover a lot of ground in that amount of time, um, and I have a lot of great work that's coming out right now. So I really want to take advantage of that this month. That will be running all through the entire month of July. Don't forget we do have several shows here on Main Street Universe. I know it's been a little tapered down during the summer. Uh, Susan Weed on Tuesday nights is still running very strong, very short shows full of information on herbs and natural plants. She's still continuing on with thirteen sacred trees right now. Uh Wednesday nights is our flagship show. And um, oftentimes that's staffed with spiritual insights by Darren Bucarer, who's a reader at Madame in New Orleans. Um, Kevin Baird who was uh, doing his own show for a while, I'm not sure where he's at with things at the moment. Uh, I always expect him to come back some shape or form. And I am going to have him as a guest on my show later this month. So you want to watch out for him as well. And of course, on Fridays, we have Activating Compassion Radio. Time has been adjusting a little bit, but we're going to try to stabilize that. Um, most of the time, we're kind of coming in midday, except for next week, we'll be really early. This is Jesse Ann Nichols George. Thank you so much for being here today. And again, thanks to all of our listeners. Not only on Blob Talk Radio, but those streaming live at PEN, known as Parent Encounters Network, Stream Finder, Talk Stream Live, and those catching our podcast at iTunes, TuneIn.com, and those catching the YouTube version of the show. Hey, I look forward to seeing you back here next week as we get more into activating compassion. And don't forget, if you've enjoyed the show today, share it with others. It's going to be available at the same link in our archives. I'm going to leave you today with a song. Also known as Over and Over by Shemshai. You can check out more Shemshai's work, by the way, through their website www.shemshai.com. That's S H I M S H A I dot com. Thank you so much, and I look forward to seeing you again next week, right here on Activating Compassion Radio. May you enjoy the rest of your weekend and have a truly amazing week. And if I could
0: see what makes me blind. I would soar to the edge of my mind And to touch what seems unreal Just to show you the way that I feel And we are in time with time One with the season of change inside And we are in tune with the two Caught in a balance of sun and moon To show you it's it to begin When all I have is all I need I will soar to the edge of To walk just a little bit slower. whispering secrets rings that you can't keep it. No turning back now. This time we reveal it. Once you are all we'll discover the essence within the most beautiful lover, time is still turning, the love is still burning. Deep in your spirit, your heart is still yearning.